mean, you've been putting in work for so long. Putting in a lot of work. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Putting in Work, episode 115 of the interview podcast on the 8-Bit Collective. We are powered by Audio Technica, and I'm your host, John Peck, back for another episode of the Spotlight series running all through April. This week, we have one of my dear friends, Jack Cruz, probably the best friend I've ever had that's never lived in the same city, which I think is saying a lot in this internet age that we live in. So Jack Cruz is known as the host of the It Is What It Is podcast on the 8-Bit Collective. He previously hosted You Game Bro with Nato Johnston, also on the 8-Bit Collective. And previously, along with myself and four other friends at the time, founded the Explosion Network two years ago. That's where we all met in Sydney. At RTX in 2017, we started this podcast that grew into a bunch of different podcasts and content creation. And that was where Jack rekindled his love with creating content as someone that at one time aspired to be a broadcaster. He's now working back towards that goal. And it was really great to talk to Jack about that pursuit, about his goals in life and his regrets in life and how he's got to this point where he's got a really lucrative job in sales. And as much as that's working out for him, his first love is creating content. And that's what he's doing every week on It Is What It Is, his political news and current affairs podcast. You might have heard me on that show a few times over the past year. But Jack really does have a great charisma to bring to that style of presentation. He was able to host the Party Mode panel at PAX Australia last year in one of the main auditoriums, which is a really entertaining experience as someone that was in the audience. And I know that was an experience and a highlight for Jack of his life, something that he could definitely see himself doing. And I can certainly see him doing something like that in the future. So great to have a chat about all these things, just looking at different motivations for creating content expectations that we have sometimes and what it's like to meet those expectations and to not meet them so stay tuned for a really open and honest discussion here he is jack cruz my friend enjoy the show jack thank you for joining me how you doing jono it's absolute pleasure thank you for having me finally uh, yeah, it's been yeah. a while. It has coming. It has been a while coming. Been asking for <laughs> well, it since episode one. That uh, <laughs> we got here eventually. What are you up to? Like episode one hundred and thirty now? 100, no, one hundred and twenty. I think this might be. Yeah, it's a good number. It's a good round number. I'm liking it. This is this is the thing. Let's go a bit into this. So I started this podcast. Mm. You were very much present when that happened at RTX two there. years ago. Correct. I remember you were on a boat. Yes, I was on a boat. <laughs> uh, and, you know, in group chats and stuff after that weekend, there was this half joking, half serious, when am I coming on the show? Mm. That kind of thing. Oh, I was 100% serious. Yeah. <laughs> and then I realized I had nothing to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was like, well, what are you going to say? And it wasn't that I didn't believe in you. It was that I knew that you were a seed being planted in the ground mm. and that one day you would blossom into... A tall tree, and here you are before me, a giant oak. A with... thistle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, like, it's been cool, like, over the past two years, I guess, watching your evolution as mm. a personality, as a host, mm. and seeing you do not just the stuff that we were doing back then, which we'll talk about, but also since then, streaming, doing your YouTube journals that mm. uh, rest in peace, and... Yep. Uh, you game bro and especially it is what it is which is very much your baby and probably the thing that's i think the hardest work of of those creative endeavors as, yeah. as far as putting in work goes so lots to talk about sure. let's start with i think something that very much is a part of what makes you 
interesting to me is your background in sales and how that has actually given you a personality that is very outgoing and i guess i don't know i think that that uh, when you talk it it uh, people are drawn to listen to what you have to say so oh, thank you how, how do you think that those things have married up is this something have you always had the gift of the gab i'm not comparing you to like a used car salesman that will talk people into things they don't want to do but i think that you're very affable and easy to to get along with i've always been a talker uh i'm very much my father's son you'll never get the short story from me it'll always be <laughs> with the added um the, the embellishments the, yeah the embellishments and the uh the little um tidbits and setting this i very much like to set the scene johnny when i tell a story so you need to know exactly what the person was wearing why they were wearing it um, mm-hmm. where they were standing and the backstory behind the thing that was behind anyway so yeah i just i've always been a, a talker it's, it's really like so like some people are carpenters some people are electricians some people are plumbers i can talk that's pretty much what i can do um and i've sort of lent on that for most of my life and i it's funny people you know, will say like, I, I work for a, um, like a, one of the biggest companies in the world. And I, we had one of our sales conferences a couple of weeks ago. And one of the new, um, regional, like, uh, state managers was up the top and he was talking and he's like, you know, you're all in sales here. Da, 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 da. He's like, he's like, no one, he's like, but you know, like no one grows up wanting to be a salesman. He's like, no, anyone here, anyone here grew up wanting to be a salesman. And I sort of just put my hand up because they don't like, no one grows <laughs> up and, and are like wants to be a salesman. But when I was a kid, I was, I wanted to be a salesman because my dad was a salesman and that's what he did. And I was like, that's what I want to do. Like, I want to do what he does. Like he's had, he used to come home with really cool stories and say like, he just had the same thing would tell the best stories, which is something that I sort of try to do these days is, is tell good stories with the accoutrements and, and et cetera and so on. But um, yeah, I like I, sales is always something that I wanted to do and, and I do it pretty well. And I guess you would call it my trade. I think it's the, one of the easiest and hard job, hardest jobs to do in the world simultaneously. And I've always said that, Sales is 10% hard work, 90% shit talking, but you can't do one without the other. Like you can't yeah. be really good at shit talking, but not have the 10% hard work and vice versa. Like you can work, you can be 90% hard worker, but if you haven't got 10% shit talking ability, it's not going to work for you. So um, I guess that's something that I've got and I've been able to <laughs> to do and, and to, you know, translate that into obviously my work and to be quite successful, I would be in the top four or five people in my field in the country and um you know i've been able to translate that into my hobbies as well so which has been handy mm. so you say that you wanted to be a salesman mm. but i know you did do some study for broadcast so did yeah. that ever pop up as a, i guess a more desirable field yeah it did yeah i'll never forget where <laughs> i was in the car we're on the way to the richies iga um with my mum, and i was coming up to the end of my year 10 year and, and doing exams and stuff. And mum's like, you know, you're going to have to start talking to your careers counselors to work out what you're going to do for VCE, what subjects you're going to study to work out what you're going to study after school and what career path you want to go down. And I was like, I have no idea what the hell I want to do. Mum. like, I knew that, you know, sales was always something that I wanted to do, but there is no qualification for sales. Like you can do a business management job yeah. or a business management course, or you can do an accounting course, or you can do, there's lots of business related courses, but there's no sales. There are sales courses, but there's no sales qualification. There's no bachelor in sales. There's no, you know, 
diploma in sales. There's nothing like that doesn't exist. You can do sales courses, but there's no official qualification to go, oh, I actually have a uh, my master's in uh, cross-selling. It's, it doesn't exist. <laughs> so to go and do something after school, I was like, oh, what do I want to do? You know, I'm going to find something like a career path and you know, what am I going to study, etc. And I didn't want to drop out. And uh, I was we listening to the radio, listening to Triple J and I spent a great deal of my childhood traveling around the country in a car. Like we, we spent, I didn't do like a year and a half. I missed like grade three and half of grade four in primary school because we spent the year driving around the country. We didn't have, all we had was the radio. We just had triple J on 24 seven, just driving around the country, camping and stuff like that. And we were in the car, we're driving to the Richies and triple J was on. I was listening to it and I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I was listening to it. I'm like, God, this guy has got the best job in the world. This is just sitting there talking, not like doing anything like amazing, just playing music. Like he's got the best job in the world. I was like, why can't I do that? Maybe I'll do that. That sounds pretty cool. And so from there, I went and worked out what courses I wanted to do. And I ended up after finishing high school, doing a diploma in um, broadcasting. Yeah. Do you think that that's something that you thought that you would end up working in? Or was it just that, you know, sales opportunities came up and, and that was more appealing? No, that was definitely the dream. And it was one of those things where I just, it was just me being a lazy kid at the time. Like I went and studied the full year. It was a diploma. It was one year. Did, did that full time, moved away from home, stayed up, like lived in the city on my own, like a share house or whatever, and studied full time, got the diploma, had intended to go back to the city. So I went home after, went back home after I finished the diploma and just worked for the summer. like, And the intention was to then go and do a university degree in commercial radio after the diploma. And basically, I was just a stupid, lazy kid. Like, I just used excuses to not go to, like, interviews and, um, not like, just stuffed around. And I just got comfortable. It was, it was one of those things where I came back and I was just working, like, casually in a restaurant, like, in hospitality and hated it. But it was so easy because it was like, wake up at 12, go to work at five, work till 10 for cash, go, stay up until four in the morning, do and rinse mm. and repeat kind of thing. It was just easy. And um, and then it was like to, the thought of going back to school again was like, ugh, don't want to do that. Um, yeah. Which I always regretted. Like I have always regretted that. And because I was really good at it, at the broadcasting, like I, you know, the whole the radio and television thing like I felt like I'd found what I really wanted to do and like that was the dream and I kind of pissed it away a little bit so the intention was to do that but then I got stuck doing hospitality for two years sort of just fell back into sales from a, 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 a fell into sales from an act of desperation I guess just wanting to get yeah. out yeah and when was it that you kind of turned around on sales and realized like did you have this point where you kind of clicked and said you know I can actually use my God-given talents and mm. my short studies in broadcasting to bring a flair to, to what I'm doing here and, and make a lot of money? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> no, it was... I painted a nice picture You of it. did. Um, but no, it was, it was honestly, it was, it was an act of desperation which sort of found me in, in that sales. Like, and the sort of... So I worked in, like I said, I worked in hospitality for two years um, or two and a half years, right up until I was 21. Like I said, hated it and really felt like I was wasting my life. Like I was still living back in my hometown, um, which I swore that I'd never go back to, which I absolutely hated. And I was working in a restaurant hating my life 
And I was just like, I need to get out. Like, I need to get out of here. So I quit my job without having a job. And I just started applying for things, not back home where I live, but into in the city, which is about an hour and a half from where my hometown was. I basically just got, got on to seek and just typed in no experience required. Because I'm like, what am I going to do? I don't want to work in hospitality anymore because I hate it. But that's all I have experience in. No one's going to hire me based off, oh, you did a diploma in broadcasting. Good job. Like, you know, it wasn't practical what I, the, what I had. And so it was just no experience required was what I, what I typed in. And I ended up landing a job as a door-to-door salesman selling power and gas. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I was literally one of those people who knocks on your door and asks you to change your electricity companies. So yeah. we were trained to be told that we could, that we'd be told to piss off a hundred, at least a hundred times a day. Like the, that was ingrained in us and it did happen. And a lot of people were very aggressive about telling us to go away as well, yeah. but it built resilience and it built that, you know, thick skin that you need for sales, I think. And I worked for nothing as well. Like this was a hundred percent commission job. Mm. So there were weeks where I didn't make a cent where I was out there grinding, walking the streets, knocking on doors and not making a dollar. And I did that. I, I, I changed from that company and went work for another company, um, a business coaching company, which I got offered that job. I actually knocked on the guy's door to sell him electricity and he offered me a job on the spot. Um, so I went and worked for him and did that for about a year. And same thing, 100% commission was a little bit easier, but there was there were weeks where I didn't get paid. Like There were weeks where I didn't have money to eat. Like mm. it was a really stressful time. I basically worked 12 months without making any money at all. And it was tough. It was really tough, but it sort of built me, I guess. I don't know. It sort of built that sort of resilience in me and yeah. and that really like that work ethic to like really bust your ass. And, and, and to work for nothing, it creates something inside you that not a lot of people would, I don't think, understand. And so I did that and grinded and grinded and eventually got another job in sales and did that for a while and loved it and then sort of found myself in the job I'm in now. So, it was, you know, at the top of my field and one of the biggest companies in the world. So with my previous question was kind of trying to find some kind of resolution where you're happy with what you're doing <laughs> and using your, your talents. But do you find maybe that's not where you, what you go to work for and that it's your extracurricular stuff outside of work that really fulfills those needs is that more accurate yeah absolutely yeah and like i like doing like i don't like being a salesperson but i like my job and i i am good at it so that makes it easier to stomach yeah um but <laughs> it's not the dream right like i yeah i wanted to be a salesperson when i was a kid but that was from a misguided i guess uh interpretation of what that reality was um i thought it was all fine dining and swilling and taking clients out and having boozy lunches and all this, having adventures like that and that kind of thing, which is not the case at all. There's a lot of paperwork and a lot of uh, phone calls and emails and stuff like that. But the, the dream is always to be the media person, like do radio, do TV, do media stuff. That's the dream. Um, And it always has been since that day in the car with mum. Like that's, Mm. that was the dream at the start and it still is a dream now. And what man, what way that manifests Uh, I'm not sure. Like I've got ideas to do things a little bit differently um, this year. I've just got to sort of put those together. Um, You know, I did the, we did, you know, the panel at PAX, the um, party mode, which was one of the absolute highlights of my life, which is something that I really enjoyed doing, which I think I could make something out of. So there's lots of different ways I would like to do it, but what I do for my day job isn't what I want to do forever. It's definitely not the dream. Hmm. Okay. 
So in that sense, was it really when we met and started this company with some of our friends at the time, mm. was the first foray into revisiting those interests in podcasting and presenting and the same time you started a YouTube channel and that kind mm. of thing? Yeah, absolutely. And that was it. Like that was the catalyst that's kind of reignited me back into this world in that meeting um, you know, yourself and and Dylan and Nick and Tom and Ash and Nato and Kieran. And, and, Kieran. <laughs> and um uh what's his name? Um Pat. Pat Yes. Yeah. And Pat. So meeting those guys, you know, reignited me and like Dylan Blight was a massive influence on me. We don't really talk anymore, but he was huge in that he's reason I, one of the reasons I started the journal, which I used to do, which is a YouTube sort of vlog kind of thing that I did, which, you know, mm-hmm. was a, you know, I think about sort of where I'm at now with content and where I was back then, I was like, you know, two years ago, it was just such a, like I was so enjoying editing and filming and having ideas and stuff. And it really like, it was like being back as a kid again, making, doing the diploma and, and making, you know, TV and radio and stuff and doing all that again with the explosion network. It was really exciting. And, and while that didn't pan out for us there, um, and they're still trucking along, making a heap of content, which is great. I really felt like I was like, this is it. Like, this is something special. We're going to do something crazy here. And I've always had that kind of, like I'm a daydreamer. Like I've always had that. Like I'm always thinking big, yeah. like bigger than probably reality. And that's come to bite me in the ass a lot in life. It's that whole <laughs> scene from 50 um, or 500 days of summer with expectations versus reality. Um, yeah. That's the story of my life is that I'm always dreaming big and being disappointed, but I'm always striving, I think, or hope or dreaming for something bigger than than mm. what I sort of, you know, I have, I'm always wanting the next thing to, to be bigger and better. Um, yeah. And sometimes I think that's to my detriment because when I don't get there probably as quick as I want, maybe I'll lose interest and I I sort of jump around at different things. So it's a double-edged sword maybe. Yeah. It's a difficult thing to um, to get around for a lot of people, I think, and that's for people to stick through, mm. like, a certain amount of time it, it's easy to start projects and a lot of people just do that and there's some crazy statistics out there even just about podcasting that yeah. most most of them don't last more than five episodes or yeah. something. and like we've seen probably people that have promoted something and then it just dies or mm. they don't put another episode out for six months or whatever yeah. it is and uh, yeah i guess that's one of the the, the struggles and it's also just finding something that that works for you and something that motivates you to keep going and it's something like with the journal which you I can't remember how many episodes you you f- finished up with but sometimes things just have their season and it's like yeah. you know you got out of it what you set out to do which I think for you you mentioned at the beginning it was partly a creative outlet it was partly like a mental health yeah. kind of um sounding board and and that yep. kind of thing yep and it clearly did what you wanted it to do and you stopped Mm. it and Mm. i think that similarly like we can all think of things that we've done for a time and then we've either had to move on or we've decided that it's it's time to do something different Mm. and that's normal and i think that you know for the content that i've seen you do since we started talking and, and met at sydney that year um it's been really cool to see that evolution from 
you know, talking crap with uh, Pleasure Explosion and mm. then t- doing some PlayStation gaming stuff, which is really fun. But then you got your own show, Grandstand Gurus, mm. and got to talk about sport every week. And I know you probably missed that because it's something that you're very passionate about. Mm. And uh, I wonder, was that in itself as that just that one show kind of the realization of uh, a dream that you'd had all those years back when you were sitting listening to the radio? on Triple J and thinking yeah. that you could do that. Yeah, definitely. A Grandstand Gurus specifically, it's funny you say that, is that in my year 12 yearbook, um, my last year of high school, it's like, where do you see yourself in the future was like the question that they asked us. And my quote was calling the footy on Triple M. Like that was why, <laughs> you know, that was sort of where I'd envisioned myself going was being a sports broadcaster. So to be able to do, I remember like we started Pleasure Explosion and we started Platinum Explosion. It was all like, everything was exciting and happening. It was crazy like this is great and i was like i want to start a sports show let's do it and and everyone <laughs> was pretty much unanimously saying no nah, we don't want to do that i don't want to do that let's don't do that no point doing that and i was like why like let's just do it let's throw some irons in the fire let's make some magic let's 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 get it done i want to do this and <laughs> i had my moment and yeah we jumped in and and or well, i jumped in and and did it and put out just f- 40 odd episodes about a year's worth of um grandstand gurus which was you know which was a really cool show like it was a really unique show in that it was it was a sports show but it wasn't sports news and these were the results of the weekend etc and so on it was like what do you want to talk about sport like have a conversation around you know this thing that happened during the week and have a talk about what it means to you or talk about your favorite sport or your favorite sports movie or your favorite sports video game or whatever it might have been. Mm. And it was a really fun show to do and getting people involved and talking to people from around the world about what sport meant for them from where they're from, talking to people like Carl Stevenson from Long Island, New York, and what growing up in New York meant to you know being a sports lover growing up in new york what that meant for him or what it meant for someone like um logan wilkinson from nixon missouri growing up in in america and what sport meant to him and all those things so you know i I loved that show i really did and that was my baby and and i intended on continuing it and it was just one of those things that i because of it is what it is i didn't have a chance to um i didn't have the the bandwidth i guess to continue it sure so that's a good segue into It Is What It Is, which mm. would be, I think, probably what you're most known for as far as podcasting goes, because that is your show. It's mm. something you created. It's something that is all you, essentially. And yeah, just let's talk about what inspired that and what it's been like to run that for the past year or so, because getting guests for a show, as mm. I've mentioned on this podcast before, mm. it's hard and getting variety into something that can get repetitive is also hard but Mm. you've managed to do that i think and you've um had some really great conversations some really great feedback and i think that there's a lot of respect for what you're doing on that show so let's yeah let's talk about the next era and uh i guess what you've brought into that from previous experiences yeah cool uh yeah so it is what it is is i think the piece of content that I'm probably most proud of that I've ever made. And that's saying, and I've done a lot of different things, like from what I did when I studied to the journal, to Grandstand Gurus and everything with the Explosion Network that we did there through Extra Life and everything like that, as well as, you know, everything that I'm now doing with 8-Bit, New Game Bro, etc. 
But it is what it is sort of came to, I had this idea of, uh, it was sort of inspired by a few different things. It was uh, Colin Moriarty, who funnily enough just had on the show last week. He, mm. he was, I always loved, like I'd, ne- I'd never been interested in politics, could not care less. History as well, I always, it was one of those things where I was like, I wish I knew more about history. I wish I knew more about this, that and the other. And being a big fan of Colin Moriarty, and he's such an intellectual person and really well versed, he's a history major um, and obviously loves politics as well listening to him talk over the years in the content that he did and the way he talked about the way he translated politics and history to his audience in a way that they could understand without it being like without it not making sense. Like he made those things make sense and made Mm. them interesting for someone on our level who when like, you know, generally people and you know, I'm, I'm speaking broadly. I think, we're getting better as a society to be, to be more engaged with politics and news now. Um, and that's just, I think a product of the world, the way that it is, but generally, you know, we're not dialed into politics and policies and these types of things in the government. And, um, that really, he really helped me get engaged with that. And, and I was also with yourself was, I was like doing, wanted to do a show. Like we always talked about the yin and the yang and having, mm. and you know, the idea was to have you on more than, than most people, but to have different guests and that, but to have like a, a basically like a panel discussion show about the news, but not about, not like, you know, this is the news story and, da, 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 and, you know, just talk about the facts, but talk about what the news meant to us and what those stories you know, have had effect on us and, and talk about them in a way that, you know, we understood them and that our audience could engage with and, and take it in as well without being too technical with some of the politics side of stuff. So, and it evolved as well. Like it changed from, you know, the first episode to the second episode to the third episode and it just continued to evolve and it was always something different. I was trying out a million different things, but, you know, it, it really especially early on and it's relaxed. The show's relaxed a lot now. Like I don't probably put as much, I definitely don't put as much into it as far as editing and that kind of thing goes. And it's a bit more free flow now, but the, the amount of work I put into it in the early days was a lot. Like it was almost a second job. It was listening and reading to the news. So I didn't get to listen to music or podcasts or anything I wanted to anymore. It was constantly just listening to the news or um, reading the news, researching, writing and writing the, the, I would I would set aside um, two hours every Saturday to write the scripts for the show, and it was it was a full job to do that. But I was so impressed with myself of what the content that we were churning out at the time, and and what we were able to get out of it, and it resonated with people as well early on. Like we we're getting listener questions, and people were asking to come on the show, and it was really it seemed like it really found its spot its little its little spot on the internet and yeah it was it was just a fun thing to do and i think the thing that was most rewarding about it was the way that i was able to broaden my perspective and my knowledge yeah. and to educate myself and to not just read the top level and take that as gospel but to actually research and look at things from both sides of the story and been able to have some really poignant conversations with people over the journey about social issues and politics and history and all the different bits and pieces that we've spoken about over the time so yeah it's been um it's been very rewarding as hard work as it's been and what would you say has been the hardest part of that particular podcast and i guess getting to the point you're at now where you essentially could i feel like take on any type of podcasting project that you Mm. wanted whether it was starting a new show whether Mm. it's doing it is what it is for as long as it motivates you to do that and you know you've obviously done 
You Game Bro with NATO. It's an interview podcast on mm. that was previously on on the Eight Bit Network, as well as streaming and mm. video stuff. And like it, it feels like you've got confidence in all these areas. And you've mentioned hosting the, uh, you know, the game show at PAX. Mm. You've you've done all this stuff, and I feel like they've all kind of complemented each other and added to just this person that you are now and the abilities that you have now. So what would you say has been the hardest point of getting to this point as I, I suppose a fully formed host? The hardest part is just the grind is doing it every week is, is, is getting back up and doing it. And, and every week is a grind. Every week is a, not a struggle, but it's a, it's a process to mm. put the show together, to do the research, to write the script, to find the guests, to prep the guests to make sure I across all of the um, topics properly and then to put it together and to edit it and to put it up and do all that. And then when you get to the end of it and you feel it's such a big, and I guess that's like the, that's the game though of podcasting is that, or, you know, anything that's episodic is that you do it, you put it out, you're done. You're like, cool, boom, doing achieve something. It's like, right. And it's straight back to the start and you're going to do it all again next week get the guest, find the news, write the script, do all that. So that's, I guess the grind has been the hardest part of it. And, and it does get that way and it does get repetitive. And I guess specifically for it is what it is like of all the positives I've spoken about it, it's been hard to do a lot as well. Just with news itself is sometimes really bad. <laughs> Just challenging. It is challenging. You know, it's, you know, talking about massacres and, um, horrible things that are happening in the world. And, and as entertaining as it can be sometimes, it's quite draining talking about Donald Trump on almost a weekly basis. Like it really mm. is. And some of the, and there's been times where I've just, I've just decided not to cover stories because I'm just like, I just can't like the whole Brett Kavanaugh thing that I was just like, I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm not, I can't bring myself to do it. Um, there's been so many times where the news has really dragged me down and, and like it, it can get, it can bring you down quite a lot, just the mm. nature of news. And, and it's, it's never good news. And it's been fun every now and then you get to talk about something funny that happens and um, talk about a movie or whatever. But a lot of the time it is, um, you know, horrible things that are happening around the world that you've, you know, you, you take on that responsibility of doing a news show. You can't neglect a lot of that stuff. You kind of have to do it. Yeah. And I think the grind is definitely a thing and especially when you're talking about something that's meant to be a hobby like it's meant to be fun and it's meant to be in your spare time you're not getting paid to do this we do have a patreon that we've just launched yeah and you know that's something but it's it's on top of what you're doing already for 40 hours a week so it's it's not like you can use that comparison to say someone like our friend dj who gets up really early in the morning and has his own grind where he goes to work and has to come up with breakfast radio content every day and like that sounds like a lot of work yeah but that's his job and he gets to you know take home a paycheck and go home and relax i guess Mm. i'm sure he does other he's got photography and all this other stuff but that's not the point (laughs) (laughs) um it's we choose to do this for fun Mm. and then when it's not maybe as fun as it was at one point it becomes like a bit not disheartening but it's like ah it it just feels like work i guess yeah exactly yeah that's that's something that i think all creative people come up against at some point and that's Mm. when you kind of have to decide what what are you doing this for is it for the satisfaction of creating something is it because you want it to become something in the future or is it a mixture of these things and just the knowing that you're creating something that people enjoy? So mm. what, what would you say motivates you at the moment to do 
it is what it is or any other content? At the moment, it's a mixture. I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head where it's a mixture. Uh, for me, you know, I'm, I'm working towards the dream and that's why I'm doing content is because I want this to be a career and people can make comments and say things like, you know, Oh, just make content to enjoy it. Don't do it for, for me to win. But it's for me, like I work towards goals and I get that some people aren't, don't operate that way and, and they see it as a, you know, oh, you're just doing it to get rich and famous and you're doing it for fame. And like, I hear a lot of that kind of rhetoric out there around content creation and, you know, don't do it for that. Just do it for the love of the content. It's like, well, I'm doing it because I, I want this to be my job because I love doing content and I would love for that to be my job. Like that's my dream. So Mm. that's what I'm working towards. And that's why I do content. That's why I make content because I want to get to a point one day where I can translate that into someone paying me to do it full time. And I don't have to be a salesperson anymore. And I can use those skills that I've developed as a salesperson to present and to talk and to be, you know, I don't know. Entertaining. Entertaining, yeah, whatever it might be. And to be able to um, translate that into something that someone sees that that's worthwhile and they can pay me to do that full time. And that's what I want. And that's why I Mm. do content because it's my dream to do something like that, to entertain as a job, whether it's on a radio show whether it's on TV, whether it's, you know, an online video show, um, whether it's, a, you know, panel hosting or, you know, emceeing or events hosting or whatever it might be, that's what I want to do with my life and that's why I do content. Mm. So a hypothetical question, you know, I love these, but mm. if a uh, time-traveling Marty McFly came to you and said, I've been to the future and you're still a salesman in... 30 years Mm. do you think you would continue podcasting and doing all this stuff like knowing that it's not going to go there like is there enough Mm. enjoyment in it is there enough satisfaction in it to just do it for that yeah i think so yeah i do yeah absolutely and i think but in some way shape or form like not probably in a fully intense thing like it is what it is because if i'm doing that for 30 years (laughs) <laughs> you know it's got to be something's got to give at some point uh but yeah i would like you know i would always like to be doing something like that and even if it's something as little as you know once a year i get up and host a panel somewhere or i get to guest on friends podcasts and stuff like that then yeah absolutely at some point though you know you've got to put your priorities elsewhere if it's not working out and that's the thing like i'm working towards something like i'm Mm. i'm doing it because i love doing it but because i want it to be my career so um that's why i'm doing it and sometimes i've got to take stock of that as well and remember why i'm doing it and that's probably like you know it's good timing actually doing this show now because it's kind of just reminding me why i'm doing what i'm doing yeah i think i wouldn't to answer your question and like i said at the start of the show you're never gonna get a short story from me (laughs) um you get the accoutrements uh i would yeah in some way shape or form definitely because i do love doing it yeah i think it's one of those things where like you never really know where something's gonna lead Mm. and it could be that yeah like doing a podcast and having that to show is going to get you an opportunity in a job or Mm. in anywhere whether it's another podcasting host, host uh, sorry another podcast hosting opportunity somewhere else or mm. a radio gig or a hosting gig and like you just don't know mm. and it, it, i think for me it's something where like podcasting isn't a huge 
industry for the 99.9% of people who do it. Mm. Um, but we don't know, like there were people that were doing blogs 20 years ago that people probably laughed at them and now they're like mm. massive, you yeah. know, like IGN started probably as two dudes writing up video game news. You just don't know where technology moves. You don't know where media is moving. So I think that there's all, all of that to think about as well, mm. but Sure. It's also just, I think, good to have multiple reasons to do something. So mm. whether it is because you enjoy it, because of the community that mm. it creates, because we really do have an 8-bit and kind of funny, all these different podcasters yeah, um, that we are only really aware of because we're doing podcasting ourselves. Mm. And I think that's a really cool thing as well as obviously the added bonus or the added incentive that it could lead to something more exciting and it's just that hope that of something greater in the future that mm. is enough to make something worthwhile it's it's the reason that kids play sports sometimes it's like the dream of i'm going to be in the afl or whatever mm. it is like you don't tell them look jack you're not going to be in the afl yeah you, you may as well stop playing footy mm. <laughs> because that's missing the point i think mm. but it's it's similar and i think um Going back to like Explosion Network, in the early days of that, you kind of forced everyone to double down and say, we're going to make it and we're yeah, going to yeah. be like this, <laughs> this, this huge, like we're going to be the next Rooster Teeth or whatever it was. Mm. And um, I, I've always, I always struggle with allowing myself to believe in those things, even mm. though I don't know if it's like a realism or a sense that that's not the way things work, but... Mm. It's this constant struggle for me between aiming for the sky, but also not allowing yourself to get completely burned out by the things that don't happen. So how do you kind of manage those two sides of the coin? Terribly. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I'm bad. I'm really bad at that. Like I, and that's the thing I sort of said earlier is I'm always, sh- I'm always aiming probably a lot higher than I should. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, dreamer like i like is that the best way to do it though like is that what you need to do in order to to really give it everything you have and and do it to the best of your ability no probably not absolutely not like i i'm sure there are more efficient ways of distributing (laughs) my energies than that but that's just not the way i'm programmed and if i'm not dreaming big about the big thing that i want like if i'm not going to bed at night and closing my eyes and and thinking about a reality where I'm doing my dream job, then there's no point for me. And that's just the way that I'm wired. That's just the way that I work is that Hmm. like I'm a dreamer and, and that's what pushes me forward is thinking about the reality where I'm, you know, I'm going to the TV studio or I'm going to the radio station and that's my job and going to bed and, and having a little daydream about that is what pushes me forward to keep doing it. And, um, so while the, that whole back to the expectations versus reality thing where, you know, the come downs are a lot worse cause you're aiming so high. And if you don't, if you don't get there when you want to get there or things don't pan out the way you want them to pan out, it can, the reality and the crash back down to earth can be a lot more, um, ferocious. It's just my process of how I push myself forward. Sure. So what would be your advice to people out there? What do you think you've learned over the past few years of creating content that you can impart, whether it's putting together a show from scratch, hosting, Mm. whatever it is? Take your opportunities. That would be my my biggest one. And, and, And that don't 
turn away from an opportunity. Like I, like I said, my, one of my biggest regrets is the fact that I didn't, that I was lazy and I didn't go back to uni and study radio because that could very well, and it, and it very well would have led me on that path. Like that was the job path that I would have gone into if I had continued studying or would have got work placement, I would have gone and done work at a radio station. Like that's where I would have been headed. And I didn't take that opportunity I was, you know, afraid and scared and lazy and all those things. And I used excuses to not go and do the thing that I, I really felt like I was meant to do in life. And that might have cost me being able to do my dream job. Like I'm back, I'm doing it now. I'm doing it now on a smaller scale to try and build towards that again. But that to me is, you know, something I think about a lot. Um, so take your opportunities and do, if you're going to do something, just do it. Like don't not do it. Um, and I'm, this is, that's hypocritical of me to say, because I have so many (laughs) things that I intend on doing that I never do. But if you can learn anything from me, it's do the things that you, that you really think you want to do. Life's too short not to do the things that you want to do. Absolutely. I can agree with that. I, I think that I take opportunities as a sign that that is what you're meant to do. Mm. And like that window has been opened so that you can go through it. Mm. And down the track, you can decide whether or not it was the right thing. I don't think there is a right and a wrong thing to do. It's more like looking at, at where it's led you and what opportunities that has brought up. And maybe you go back through the window back to where you were before, but that doesn't mean that it was a waste of time mm. necessarily. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. You make a good mm. point. Well, Jack. Yes, Jono. I have one more question. Ooh, okay. If you could do anything, I know you wouldn't fail. What would you do? Pro golfer. Pro golfer. <laughs> <laughs> Is that because you make a ton of money without actually having to lift weights and? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I was just spent like stuff to athletes. I, mean, I was spent the last forty-five minutes talking about how I wanted to be. <laughs> like TV and radio on that, but yeah, I'd be a 100% pro golfer because once I retire from pro golf, I can hopefully um, get into the media and have my own show mm. and do something like that. So, um, and who wouldn't want to get paid millions and millions of dollars to travel around the world and play golf in beautiful on beautiful golf courses? Amazing. Yeah, yeah. It does sound really good. I don't even like golf, but mm. the lifestyle. I'm I'm sure they like train. Yeah. More than anyone oh, could imagine. Sure. Some do. <laughs> but if, if you couldn't fail, then you wouldn't have to train. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just yeah. get to rock And up. I don't even have to be like unbeatable. I just have to be a pro golfer who travels the world and plays pro golf. Like get me to a pro golf level and like that's like that's the thing that I'm not failing at. Like to be a pro mm. golfer, not to be the best. And I'll win tournaments and stuff like that, I assume. Um, <laughs> but I'm not going to be, you know, Jack Nicholas or Tiger Woods, but I'll be out there. You'll be Aaron Baddeley. No, <laughs> maybe Jason Days. That's a good Mark one. Leishman. That's a, yeah. I love the leash. Love the leash. Warnable boy. He is. He is indeed. Indeed. All right. Well, Jack, thank you. It's been a long time coming, and I didn't disappoint. I think our listeners will be very uh, entertained by your stories and motivated by your lessons. Thank you. <laughs> and hopefully inspired by what you've been able to accomplish just in a pretty short amount of time. Uh, just the past. Two years. Mm. Is, that all, is, that, is that all it's been? Yeah. We've been, only known each other for two years. About two years. Yeah. It feels like longer. <sighs> it does. It feels does. like longer. Um, now, thank you for having me on. Uh, like you said, it's been a long time coming. Um, and I do feel, I still don't feel like I'm worthy to come on, but I appreciate you, you having me on and, and, and giving me a platform to, to tell my story. And hopefully it's resonated with someone or someone's found it somewhat entertaining. I'm sure. 
Thank you for listening, and thanks to Audio Technica. You can catch Jack on Twitter at Cruzy underscore mate. That's K-R-U-S-E-Y. And if you'd like to support his podcast, It Is What It Is, or this podcast, you can do that with a five-star rating in iTunes or by heading over to patreon.com slash weare8bit. That's where you can ship in from as little as a dollar a month to help out the show and the rest of the podcast in the 8-Bit Collective as we grow and strive to make this network of content the best that we can. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Jono himself. And until next week, keep putting in work.